0: You are listening to the Cochrane Everest Podcast. This is episode 28. Welcome to the Conquering Everest Podcast. My name is Brian Talor, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for choosing to spend a bit of your day here with me. I certainly appreciate it. The guests certainly appreciate it. And if you haven't already, make sure you follow this podcast. That way you get notified anytime a new episode is uploaded. Right now, my current uh, goal is to upload on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So go ahead and whatever platform you're listening to this on, make sure you hit the follow button. And if you want to take it a step further, all of these conversations, or at least most of these conversations that I have, they're live streamed long before I ever uh, converted into the podcast. So you can uh, follow along with the livecast if you follow um, the Conquering Everest podcast Facebook page, so facebook.com slash Conquering Ever's podcast. You can also find me on YouTube. Now, unfortunately, I don't have enough subscribers on YouTube to create a custom URL yet. So you can help with that by going to YouTube, looking up the Conquering Everest podcast. Um, Go ahead and give the channel a subscribe and hit the notification bell to be alerted any time that the, the new content is uploaded. Now in today's episode, I have a conversation with Christina Stanton. Christina is a licensed New York City tour guide. She is also a 9-11 survivor. Can you believe it's been almost 20 years since the attack on 9-11 occurred uh, to the World Trade Centers? It's hard to believe, but you're gonna get it from you're gonna hear the story from Christina's perspective. So without further ado, here is Christina's story. All right, we are live. Welcome to the Conquering Everest podcast Christina. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm good
0: I We set that one minute uh, timer and I you know so I can check everything and make sure we're streaming and it catches me every time that minute goes by so fast <laughs> so All right, I've got this shared out. Hopefully we'll get some folks joining us that can interact. Uh, there's a chat window okay, to great. our left um, but uh, tell you what, let's go ahead and get started, and uh, if you don't mind, let's just have you introduce yourself to our listeners and or watchers.
1: All right, so my name is Christina Ray Stanton, and I am originally from Florida, but I've lived up in New York City for almost 30 years, and I'm a New York City tour guide, so um, that's not what brought me up to New York City. I, I moved up there to be an actress, <laughs> like okay. a lot of like it like a lot of people and um you know i kind of got lost in my day job which was a tour guide and i i loved being a tour guide and i loved to be an actress as well so but all these years later i'm still a tour guide and um uh, my husband and i live in the financial district we've lived there for 21 years and yeah so i'm a kind of a new yorker through and through i guess even though I wasn't um, born and raised there, but I fell in love with the city, and um, tour guiding kind of helped me, yeah, helped along that path of falling in love with this with this city. Um, so we we enjoy ourselves, and my husband works for a nonprofit, and and yeah,
0: that's me. Good deal. And we got to add author to that list, right? Because you've written yeah. a couple of books. Uh,
1: right, 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 Wrote a couple yeah. of books. Um, one book was on my experience during 9-11. And um we lived right in the neighborhood of the Twin Towers, the World Trade Center complex. And I write from the perspective of a resident of what it was like before, during, and after the attacks. And mm-hmm. I've seen some articles written from that perspective, but not, never a, not a book. So I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to add my voice to whatever's out there. And then I also wrote a book about being COVID positive. These are such <laughs> right? Yeah. I, my next book is actually gonna be happy. <laughs> my Something. next book, which I've already started, is about I'm, like tour guide shenanigans, like funny okay. things. Happened of all the years I've been a tour guide. I've been a tour guide since 1995. So that will be fun and funny <laughs> So, <laughs> so if, I,
0: if I ever may I haven't been to New York City I, I, I haven't gone many places on the East Coast So but what I'm hearing though is if I do come to New York I need to make sure I get a hold of you so you can yeah. take me around and, and show me all yeah. the all the ins and outs um, sure. So we were going to talk about 9/11 today. Uh, it's 20 years. Yeah. As you remind, I, I couldn't believe. I was like, "Wow, it's already almost been 20 years." And from a perspective of a of a guy that was lived in Illinois lives in Illinois, um, uh, so the, the day of that event, I was I worked midnights, and I remember getting home, and I'd always watch a little bit of TV for about an hour or so before I would drift off to sleep and uh but that morning uh, you know i got home and and turned on the tv and they broke in with the news and at at the, that point only one tower had been hit and they talked about uh nobody really knew what it was mm-hmm. but as they were um talking about it and they knew it was an aircraft but you know they they're trying to kind of get set the 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 context a little bit the second plane came in and it was like okay this is not, this wasn't an accident, and um, and it really hit, hit me, and it's still, when I think about it today, just everything that I know about it, w- which is probably just skimming the surface, um, but it was one of those events that I don't think I'll, I'll ever forget, but you were there, and you lived through it, and I, let's talk a little bit about that from your perspective, because uh, I can't imagine what that, that day was like.
1: Well uh, I'm gonna back up a little bit um, earlier sure. than that. So if I became a tour guide in 1995, one of my earlier tours was to give walking tours of the World Trade Center complex. right So I was touring the complex years before the attacks happened. So I felt like that was that was a, just an area I knew so well. I knew a lot you know technically about those buildings and about the other buildings that made up the World Trade Center complex because again, yeah, you know, I'm a tour guide. I was taking people around and telling them what I knew all the time. So when my husband and I moved to the financial district, that was that was even greater because I was like, "This is awesome!" Because the World Trade Center complex was actually my favorite area in town because there's something like a It was like a microcosm of New York City, all in one complex, right? Right. It sort of like symbolized all of New York City for me. The World Trade Center complex still does, right? And um, so I was like, "This is great." I'm now not only working in the neighborhood by giving tours but I'm a resident. I'm an, I, you know, that's that's this is the neighborhood that I live in. So I was thrilled. Um, also, a silly thing, but I'm, uh, underneath the, the Twin Towers, the World Trade Center complex was the largest, let's say, mall retail center in Lower Manhattan. So really? I was shopping there all the time. It had over eighty stores, and I mean, it was more than just let's say I think a lot of people when they think of the World Trade Center complex, they think of the Twin Towers, but mm-hmm. so much more than that. You know, again, it was. It was the Twin Towers. It was the largest, you know, retail center in Lower Manhattan. It um, had the TKTS booth, which is where I got my Broadway tickets. It um, um, it was the major transportation hub, so that's where I'd get on and off the subway. That was my local subway stop. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it was kind of everything to tell you the truth. If you lived down in that area, right. so it had, you know. Uh, restaurants that you would want to go to bars that you'd want to go to. it was the hot spot of the neighborhood. So that morning we'd only lived down there just uh, for for a few months, right and um, we had gotten this wonderful apartment um, six blocks away on the 24th floor. and the best thing about that apartment is it had an outdoor space. It had a, a 300 square foot terrace that faced the Twin towers. And if you know mm-hmm. much about places you know apartments in New York City, Outdoor spaces, private outdoor spaces, is a rare thing. And I was like, oh my God, this is like I've made it. I've really made it. I have this wonderful outdoor space. <laughs> so it overlooked the Twin Towers. And I was just so, I uh, felt like I was on top of the world in that apartment. I was so excited about living there. And so that morning, you're right, um, I think it was 846, the first plane hit the North Tower. And that plane went from north to south. So it actually Mm. went into the building, but didn't come out the other side. My husband and I lived just south, so we didn't see any plane or any plane parts. What we saw were flames and smoke coming out of either to the left and right of the Twin Towers. So when my husband shook me awake, I was actually still asleep. He was like, something's happened, something's happened, come to the terrace. So we ran out to the terrace, And it was just this chaotic um, scene, Um, you know, from the 24th floor. We didn't normally hear street noise, but people were screaming so loud. And there were so many ambulances coming up to go to the Twin Towers, which is again right there, that it was just it was loud. Um, It was just the whole it was such a shock to the senses to see. And to hear that noise, to see the the smoke, we thought, um, like you, we didn't know exactly what happened. We thought somebody had brought in a bomb. You know, because mm-hmm. I moved to New York City the same year that the 1993 bombing happened at the World Trade Center. Now, I moved mm-hmm. months after that. But when I moved there, it was still very much on people's minds. Somebody tried to bring these towers down. Somebody tried to bomb it. So, you know, these years later, you know, that was still kind of the first thing you thought of. It's like somebody tried it again, you know, just like they did before I, you know, right before I moved to New York City. And I used to tell people about the 1993 bombing on my tours when I was giving walking tours back then. So, you know, all of a sudden, um, right over my right-hand shoulder, uh, the second plane came, went right in front of us, turned at like at eight o'clock and two o'clock and went right into that South Tower. And, you know, the shockwaves... Of that top of, of that that plane coming in, and we were so close, and that plane was going so uh, fast. You might have even heard uh, they were trying. They came close to achieving the what say the speed of sound or something like that. Um, wow. Uh, yeah. So it was so they were out for destruction. It actually blew us back into the apartment and knocked us out. I mean, I came to on the floor. I came to with my dog. We had a forty-pound Boston Terrier, but that my dog jumping on my chest when I was on the floor. And I met, my first thought was, why is his Gabriel? Why is Gaby jumping on my chest? I, mean, I was totally knocked out, totally out of it. I heard my my husband yell, "Do you want your shoes?" and all these kind of things. I remember thinking, we just got to get out of here, right? So we grabbed the dog. Go down 24 flights i get outside and re- you know by that time i've kind of collected myself 24 flights is a lot of flights yeah um, upstairs, upstairs of course. and um so i get outside and realize oops i'm in my pajamas you know i have nightmares about such things <laughs> let me just <laughs> go back into the apartment let's try this again let's do this <laughs> let's put on some clothes and collect ourselves and so but even in that amount of time they wouldn't let us back inside they were like nope sorry christina and brian we're just we have a we're just letting people out. Nobody's coming in. So, but you know, I remember going back outside and I was like, no one cares what I wear, what I look mm-hmm. like. And I don't care anymore either. You know, I realized we're in some kind of alternative reality. No one cares. Right. Yeah. So, you know, when, when, when you're facing some kind of a dangerous situation, you know, your whole inner alarm, your body alarm, just, wants you to get as far away from it as possible right so for us the farthest away we could get is battery park right so so if the if you know anything about the topography topography of manhattan and it's easy to look up you know manhattan is, is an island Mm-hmm. very small island actually and we were right at the end right at the tip and the very last thing before you get to the new york harbor and the hudson and the east, east river is is a 25 acre park and a lot of people are familiar with that park because that's the park you would go into to take the the ferries to the statue of liberty and ellis island and some people take the staten island ferry that's where they let off as well so at any rate, so that's as far away as we could get. You know, you see pictures of people walking over the Brooklyn Bridge or walking north through Times Square. But right. since we were south, we had to go south, if that makes any sense. Well, south was a 25 foot park. It's not about mm-hmm. wide, right? Made it to this park, we were safe. Okay, All we knew was an attack. none of our cell phones were working, so people would be joining us in battery park who had the same idea getting away you know getting to safety and if they had been watching the tv they would give us updates so whoever's coming in you know let's say from their apartment they had been watching tv So we had been we because our cell phones didn't work so they had the latest news so somebody had known about the pentagon and um there was all these rumors other planes are coming a plane hit the united nation a plane Mm -hmm. hit I'm square there's a plane headed to the Statue of Liberty. Oh we totally heard that right which was we could see was right yeah. there <laughs> so we were like what the hell I mean that, like the world is literally coming to an end and then the the ground started shaking literally mm. started shaking we thought I my first thought at least was that somehow a plane, had run into the earth, the ground, and it was, you know, shaking the, was, the ground was reverberating from this plane coming on. And all of a sudden it kind of hit us all together that oh, a building's coming down. And no one had thought that. There was there had not been any scary rumors of all the rumors yeah. we were hearing. Because you know it was a cesspool of rumors. That was not one rumor that we were hearing. Right? So it was a shock to everybody. And then everybody went crazy. Because yeah. everybody knew that if it had fallen lengthwise in any direction, it could have reached the park and it could have killed us. And everybody knew that because you know we, it's it's right there. I mean, and yeah. building, you know, there were a quarter mile in the sky. There were 110 floors. There are massive buildings. So if they had have pitched over, they, it could have reached us. So they, everybody went crazy. People, I saw people pitch themselves into the New York Harbor, try to swim to Governor's Island. Um, hmm. was just kind of all of these crazy scenes that are kind of always going kind of be, be in my brain until I die. Right. You can't, you can't unsee some of these crazy things that you saw in the in those circumstances, and and so then all of a sudden this whole cloud of dust and debris covered covered us in yellow. And actually, I have a picture of it. It's it, I'm sure it's probably going to be hard to, to show in, in right here, but I don't. It, and and here's the thing: it's not a good picture, and it doesn't have to be because that's that's. Yeah. A, Exactly what it looked like, you know, what it's I'm
0: saying? just just grayed it, out from the debris. Huh?
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you couldn't see 10 feet ahead of you um, It was really you know what if you know what the effect was like the effect was like a snow globe Like mm. you were in some kind of a snow globe like the, the sky you couldn't see any of that everything was yellow I mean you open your eyes and kaboom everything was just flat-out yellow wow. Then the second one came down and then you know what a lot of people are are when I tell them this, they seem surprised. But, you know, these two buildings coming down, and you know, other buildings were on fire, and other buildings came down later, that there was a huge amount of of fires going on, which emitted a lot of smoke, which wafted down to us. And again, we are the apex, we're kind of almost in a triangle here, you know, and so everything coming down passed through us, passed over us. And it was just, it was almost like wave after wave of just stuff and and we just kept thinking this is probably gonna kill us No, this this is probably gonna kill us so if it was not the first building it's the second building it's the smoke, it's the debris that we can't breathe you know so we just literally were just kind of everybody was running around going nowhere because we were trapped there was literally nowhere to go right so there's like for instance a um there is a a restaurant in Larry park called um, battery gardens. I heard that, um, I've never, never, I don't think I've ever read it anywhere, but I heard that, that they broke some of the windows to go in there thinking that just an interior environment would, you know, have some pockets for them, for people to breathe. I mean, it was a a completely desperate situation. And, And, you know, at one point, you know, my husband and I said goodbye to each other. We, You know, we we just you know, I was I remember feeling glad that I was with my husband. We hadn't been married very long. I remember thinking, "Gosh, I'm so glad that you know I met the man of my dreams, or the most wonderful man." And so, and I'm I'm glad I'm with him now because a lot of people weren't with their kids, they they weren't you know uh, they couldn't get their they couldn't even talk to anybody on their cell phones. You know, they weren't with their loved ones, but I was with my loved one, and I knew how lucky I was.
0: What's that? the as far as the i can imagine with and we cut out i think it was on my end not your end but so but you were talking about the different fires so you had the debris and you had the smoke when you guys felt like this might be it for you was it just because like i, I imagine you guys couldn't see you couldn't breathe really very well or did you just feel like this whole manhattan is under attack
1: yeah because we just felt like um that the the two towers getting hit was just one phase of the attack. Yeah. Right? That that there was there was all there was bombs and planes and um and again you know the fact that that just just from those towers uh coming down and we thought a whole bunch of other stuff was going on too, and we could barely outlive that. You know, mm-hmm. like you know each with with each we just felt completely um, unsafe. And you know, I think that's just how you feel when you're trapped. You know, like yeah. when you are when you are in a trapped environment, there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to go, there's nothing to do. You get to take whatever is coming along your way, right? And so, if if you know this is the start of all kind of stuff, there's all these rumors going around, and we can't go anywhere. You're just like. We're kind of sitting ducks. We you know, so we just assumed that um this is bad enough. This right here might kill us. If there's anything else, we're we're gone, you know? So we did. We actually said goodbye to each other and it was a sad moment. And um I also remember thinking kind of like oh, I think I was thirty-one and my husband was thirty-four, if I remember correctly. I remember thinking, I didn't do anything. I mean, yeah. I had all these dreams that I wanted to wanted for my life and I had all these hopes and I wanted this. and I wanted that. And I wanted to do that. And, and, and I didn't do anything, you know, like it was, a re- it was also really sad. Like, God, that was it all that for that. You know, yeah. it, was, it was a lot of sad moments. I, I, by the way, I want to show you this something if you can see, but yeah. this is a picture of my husband and I is, I only have one picture on our terrace and I don't know if you can see the twin towers here. They were so tall that you actually couldn't fit them in an entire um, oh, wow. shot. So I remember looking out on at the Hudson and seeing all these boats coming over so unbeknownst to me the Coast Guard knew that there were thousands of us that were trapped right they knew that we were trapped and they issued a call saying anybody who owns a boat any boat operator get the boat take it over to Battery Park actually they had said come to Governor's Island first. So you they, like, they were thinking that was going to be the way station where they would um, send people on their marching orders. But as it turns out, I really think people um, just for the most part just came straight on to Battery Park and Battery Park City and say, so just start picking people up and dropping off wherever you want to, right? We mm-hmm. need every all hands on deck. And I, I read later that um, there's a lot of boat owners um, in the New Jersey um, and New York area, and they all heard this call. And they all responded. And 500,000 of us were taken off of Manhattan that day. Now it's interesting because um where we were, we were trapped people who needed to get off for our safety. As the day went on, there were you know, there's a lot of commuters who come into Manhattan to work and all of the bridges and tunnels were closed. I think there's 16 of them, um, because they were trying to make sure nobody's coming in with bombs and things like that. Right. All those commuters had nowhere to go, so they started flagging down boats and they started, uh, they were taken to, to New Jersey just so they could get home, you know, from there. So, but, you know, so the need, the need base was different, but everybody did you know, need to get off of the Island of Manhattan. Right. So, <clears throat> so we were taken off. We were dropped off in New Jersey. We didn't even know where we were. Again, I'm wearing pajamas <laughs> <laughs> we had our dog out. We were completely yellow, completely dust covered. And there were some people, who knew that there was a bj's wholesale club about a mile away so we walked a mile to the bj's where where i finally got some flip-flops and i I got my first meal of the day but i think we didn't even get to bjs until like one or two um again completely yellow i i didn't have a purse but i did not have anything i didn't even have my shoes right Right. so um you know that kind of I just feel like the the odyssey for us just continued. I mean, it was mm-hmm. never got much much easier or better, you know. And like for on our end, we uh, uh, the mayor Giuliani at the time, he actually uh, ordered people to leave Lower Manhattan for many reasons. But it was it was called a they called it the frozen zone, meaning you're not supposed to be in this area. Well, there's a lot of neighborhoods around the World in Center complex. So 25,000 mm-hmm. of us who live in the area were told we couldn't go back home so i didn't get we didn't get back home for two more weeks and um we just kind of couch surfed until then. meanwhile our dog hovered between life and death he actually cut for 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 several months and he he did Hmm. end up dying of toxin inhalation you know i mean because you know when when, um an animal gets things on their fur they lick it off Right. right well we were covered with dust and debris i mean so now we know what was in that You know it Mm -hmm. was electrical wiring and wood from furniture in the twin towers human remains wow there was um uh, and and in our dog's case a lot of ground up glass and it actually Mm. shredded his insides so he and so he hovered between life and death for for weeks my husband found out that a, a fraternity brother from college he graduated from clemson had died and it just, you know, at one point uh, we were able to get back into our apartment, but we were just like, we were, we were already showing signs of PTSD. Right. Was, we rented a car and just drove down to Florida where I'm from and got counseling while we were down here and, and stayed oh, away until January and we came back. Mm. But um, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was a tough time. Even when we got back in January, you know, the, where we lived was, was, was pretty closed. It was, um, it really wasn't a very livable area but at any rate in my book i talk about you know a lot of people think when they think of the world trade center uh, attacks they think in terms of the planes and the um the towers which is the, the, the certainly the main part of the story but there was a lot mm-hmm. of let's say uh, ripple effects from those attacks that i'm not sure um the media has has talked a lot about the yeah. ripple effects and i just kind of wanted to add you know, here's a ripple effect from residents. It takes nothing away from the almost 3,000 people who died. Right. It was, you know, it's just another kind of uh, bid to, to have people, like, fully understand exactly what that meant, you know, the attacks meant for from Manhattan. Because I'm, I am, as a tour guide, surprised that people come up to New York City and they're like, you know, why why were you affected? You know, you, you didn't live... Um, in the World Trade Center complex, you didn't work in the towers. And so and I also people think that people don't understand how small Manhattan is to know that something like that would affect a huge area. Yeah. So I, I enjoy kind of, um, you know, educating people and, and just helping to complete the picture of, of the scope of those attacks
0: yeah you had said that there was a lot of little fires that kind of spread so i imagine was was that some of the community around it then people lost homes and did apartments burn things like that as well or
1: i think like, oh, I'm trying, i need to go back and look at those statistics i think was it nine buildings that came down altogether? it was it, mm. the buildings that were really really hurt was yes um, on the parameters of the world trade center complex and um within the complex and by the way a lot of people don't realize that that um the fire the lat they know that they put the last fire out 90 days after um well in december you know people have no clue that 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 happened but uh, you know i remember going back into our neighborhood and walking around and i didn't see one building that wasn't unscathed you know like that came out okay i mean it was everything was scraped and um the 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 glass lobbies were broken um i remember our our local burger king they turned into a police uh temporary police headquarters and um did you know that there was one building that was basically mutilated. The whole middle of it was missing. You know, it didn't even fully come down until 10 years later. They took it down so slowly. There was a big fight about who was supposed to pay for that building coming down. Right. But, but you know, I, it really hurt the area for years. I mean, the, I was telling you about the World Trade Center Complex being the transportation hub. There's yeah. one subway that didn't come, that didn't, um, st- a station, the Cortland station, it didn't even come back till 16 years later. You know mm. that's so long-standing. Um, you know they they found plane parts just three or four years ago. You mm. know something uh, something that was lodged behind a building. So um, you know everything is so close together that it wouldn't surprise me at all to find out they found other plane parts. You know when they take a building down, they look at it, they they find different things. But it was just such a massive um, amount of destruction. So many acres of destruction
0: how how long was uh were this um those that lived there how long were you guys displaced
1: good question so um right at, at 11 o'clock that morning on september 11th mayor giuliani said okay that's it everybody out of out of lower manhattan you know out so people left i heard a couple of hardy people stayed i don't know how they were able to manage it there <laughs> down there for forever and yeah. it was uh, you know again there was nothing opened uh, uh completely uninhabitable but you know you know how people are there's always those those, those people who will <laughs> want
0: to leave yeah,
1: <laughs> so but we were told on the 21st that we could get back so um they said well the EPA um has tested the air and the air quality is fine and uh, things have been tested for asbestos and it's fine so the 21st we had my husband's fraternity brother who died, his funeral was the 22nd, the next day. Mm-hmm. So we already knew that we were going to travel to his, well, it was not Was actually a memorial service. I, I think to this day they never did find any, any of his body. So we went to his memorial service on the 22nd. So it was the 23rd that we came home. So, yeah. But even then, I remember going up to our apartment, and it was what I call a yellow wonderland. I mean, right. it was, you walked in, and there was about six inches of dust covering absolutely everything. I remember, I've been reading this book, i remember picking up the book off the coffee table, and it left a perfect book sized, you know, it
0: was there you
1: where know, whatever, and it just it, it honestly wasn't even livable then. So I mean, the department did a great job of paying to have people come and clean it up. But it, the dust was really never ending because it was all kicked up in the air. And right. then it, 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 it continued to be kicked up in the air because as the, they were dismantling the pile and as they were creating you know, the new buildings, literally the 24 hour work there, things would waft into the apartment. I'd wake up every single morning. We lived there for two more years. Every single morning I woke up, there would be a whole, like, uh, layer of of yellow dust until the Hmm. day we moved.
0: Did you guys have, like, medical conditions that came out of, um, I imagine inhaling all that wasn't good for your
1: bodies. You're right, because it was, they've known, they have, um, I think, uh, pinpointed over 60 different cancers that that toxin inhaled was had had cost a lot of it was from i guess the amount of ground up concrete um actually can can spark off some a particular kind of cancer it was the fuel also in the planes again electrical wiring things like that so um right away i felt um I had been a marathon runner. I ran the '96 and '97 marathon, New York City marathons, and uh, right right away, I, I felt like I couldn't run a mile. I was having um, lung issues, and hmm. so I, I will say that we we get t- we we go to doctors a lot and get tested a lot, and it's one of the reasons why I believe I got a particularly bad case of COVID is because our health our health has been compromised through the toxin inhalation. That kind of um, carried over to how badly I got COVID. I, I absolutely believe that they're related. They know that it's related, actually. Right. So, but you know, but believe it or not, um, um w- the cancers that are that um, are the most common for people who smelled that tox those toxins are skin cancers. Isn't that interesting? You wouldn't mm. you really think skin cancers prostate cancer. I mean, yeah, there are lung, lung issues like mesothelioma or whatever, but um, it's not always what you would think of what the toxin inhalation would cause. But we see doctors quite a bit. We're also a member of what they call the World Trade Center Health Registry. Mm -hmm. So um, they they keep up with our health. So we're constantly filling out forms. They're sending us um, updates. and, you know, there's some lawyers, um, there's one main law, uh, law company that deals with um, um, basically getting compensation for those who, who suffer from, from, from cancer, from toxin inhalation. I'm mm-hmm. on their roster thinking this, we don't need them yet. Um, yeah. so just like to know that they're there. I mean, um, I mean, you have to have a lawyer to access the, the 9-11 Twin Towers Compensation Fund. So it's nice to know that they're there. And they've done a great job of taking care of, of, um, you know, of all the people who were exposed because it was 25,000 residents, I think 50,000, um, high schoolers and, 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 and kids, there's a ton wow. of schools in lower Manhattan. Um, there's, uh, employees, um, uh, I mean, tourists, there's lots of tourists down there. So, and it's not just rescue workers or, um, recovery workers. A lot of people, um, mistakenly believe that they're the only ones who were affected by the toxin inhalation, and certainly they 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 um, were directly exposed day after day. But um, you know, even people who were exposed once or twice, or even on that, day have had issues.
0: What was like? So it sounds like it was about ten days or so, a um, couple weeks, when you guys started be able to come back home. But what was the what was the atmosphere of Manhattan like for that, you know, for that year that followed, was there um, a sense of, of heightened uh, fear or was it community?
1: That's an excellent question. I've actually re- recently written an article about that because it was, you know, by that time I had lived in New York, what was it, eight years or what have you? But anyway any rate, so it, it really did change Manhattan, New York City in a lot of ways. So when we first, when we returned, it was certainly a big funeral. It was a funeral for months and months after. And got to understand, it was a tough fall because I don't know if you remember that the fall and the months after, following 9-11. All these crazy things kept happening. So you know that we we started a war. You know Operation Enduring Freedom, I think it was called. Um, uh, So we went to war. We um, Richard Reed, that crazy guy who tried to put a who put a bomb in his shoe and tried to set it off in the in the in the the airplane. Oh, a a plane came down. I think it was October twelfth, in in Queens. That that killed. uh, I think it was going to Dominican Republic but it was um, the largest loss of life in New York state history from a, from a plane accident. Like, and and, what about the anthrax? Remember that whole anthrax scare sending the So it's almost like it just kept going on that the drama and the trauma, um, just wouldn't stop, you know, Mm. Um, especially up in New York. So definitely people were on such high alert, um, people were so upset, but I will say, uh, from New Yorkers, it definitely created a bonding effect. I mean, really people were upset for each other. They were upset for strangers. I saw so many strangers hugging in the streets and crying together. And I, I know this, this sounds really Pollyanna-ish, but honestly, I never saw it go away. And I contrast that because when I moved to New York, I was to tell you the truth, kind of struck by... How cold pe- people seemed, right? Yeah. I remember very well moving there and seeing a, a larger guy walking down Forty Second Street near Bryant Park. He, uh, our our sidewalks are crazy over there. I mean, if you you have to pay attention, right, to not <laughs> trip, right? He tripped and he got he he hurt himself pretty bad. And I remember I was on the other side of Forty Second Street, and that's a busy street. You have to you'd have to go to a crosswalk and then walk over. But I remember looking. There's nobody came and helped him. I remember looking at the guy, his, he was wearing a nice suit and it was all there. Um, that's in, in the knees, he had scraped it up and it was falling off his, his, you know, it was just, it was just a mess. And I'm telling you, as soon as that 11 happened and after if that same guy, if he had fallen down again, I'm telling you, people would have made a beeline to him, Yeah, helped him out. There was just definitely a different sense of caring your fellow man also to you know the city set up a, a kind of a hotline they call it a non-emergency hotline it's 311 you call 311 if you saw kind of a quality of life thing going on that you thought was detrimental to new yorkers in general and mm-hmm. uh, and it's gotten lots of calls i just feel like there was different things that, that were put in place that made people feel more accountable for each other and knowing that if i watch out for you i'm probably watching out for me too you know, so I, you know, ever since 9-11, people really came together in New York City and I never saw it let up. I really didn't. I still feel like it's, it's it remains to this day.
0: How long did it take, um, as far as businesses and I, I, I don't remember how long it took for things to kind of get back to quote unquote normal. Um, what was so, that?
1: good question. To tell you the truth, things never really skipped a beat below, let's say above 14th Street, right? Okay. I mean, things, I mean their restaurants were carrying on that day, you know, and, and never did. Call. Now, Broadway did stop, I think, for like a couple of nights. Mm. Some shows did, um, yeah, they were, they were disrupted for one or two or three nights or what have you. But, um, Except for lower Manhattan, it really disrupted lower Manhattan. Yeah. So, lower Manhattan means, let's say, below Canal Street and then specifically below Houston Street and, and definitely below Chamber Street, things were really in a mess. So, I understand that 100,000 jobs were lost mm. um, right, right away. Let's see, how many was it? Um, 18,000 businesses closed and never reopened. So it really, it really messed things up, to tell you the truth. Back then, so um, it was, it it took it took the area a long time to recover.
0: Yeah, you think you know, and and just trying to see the the big big picture of that event, it, it, you know, I can't even imagine the scope because you had not only the.
1: I'm gonna get a I'm sorry, I'm gonna get a cough drop
0: real quick. Sure, sure. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, continue.
0: but um, I'm just saying that like the thinking of how wide reaching that that event was because not only did you have the immediate, you know, the towers and the people in it and uh, the people close by the the city. I mean, but like you said, <clears throat> we went to war and there's loss of life in the war. it's like, it's just hard to fathom how how far out those you know just that event reached and um you know how many lives it, it either came to an end because of it or were permanently you know not the same um it's just you know from an outsider's perspective and you know i consider myself an outsider because uh, i wasn't in the state I, I all i saw was what was on tv it would uh, you don't think about that. You don't think about the people that were displaced. You don't think about the right.
1: uh, you,
0: I, I didn't know that I, I I I knew there was like three buildings that went down. I didn't know it was like nine. It's 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 just it's like wow, the impact of on life in general of that event and it's is bigger than anybody probably could even imagine.
1: Again, the ripple effects, really. yeah. like, Just for instance all those schools that I mentioned. It's mm-hmm. getting Kids, I think, spent the entire fall not in their own schools. Hmm. I think um, different schools, Upper Manhattan, shared classrooms and shared spaces, but just the schools alone. You know, just, um, I mean, again, from from the people who live there, the employees to to, I mean, a lot of people don't even realize a lot of babies were at nursery schools. Yeah. Right. So we're. we're so all of a sudden, the nursery care workers were were responsible for all these babies. Yeah, putting them to safety—that's huge, right? I, mm-hmm. I read this interesting um, this interesting story, and it was a principal uh, on Church Street near World Trade Center. There are two Tartar High Schools back to back, and there was a principal who was in charge of 600 students and uh, teachers. Mm. So, but when, when the Twin Towers happened, I mean, one of the, the plane engines landed on the roof of one of these two schools, right? Wow. And it was right there, but cell phones weren't working. So she couldn't talk to all the, the teachers and tell them what to do next. Meanwhile, bodies are falling down parts of the buildings were falling down. There was no place to evacuate these kids. All of their, their normal evacuation procedures were null and void. Right. You couldn't call them anyway. So she was in charge of getting 600 students and teachers to safety. And there was quite a few disabled students, I understand, but she did that. So she got all of them down to Battery Park and they all did what I did, they all got on um, boats. I understand, you can't put six hundred kids on one boat. So right. I understand that they even got real um, creative. They made groups and had the different teachers, you know, responsible for different groups, and got on all these different boats. I understand. I heard a story where some of the some one of those groups, the the boat dropped them off of Brooklyn near her home. And she brought all these kids and they all spent the night in her home like i've heard right. and by the way that that principal did all of that knowing that her sister was dying in the in one of the towers and she did that right. so so that woman had the presence of mom to take a, an impossible situation and do what she had to do and it's a really great story her, i know her, her first name is otta which is not very helpful but Um it's a famous story, it's it's easy to Google, but you know, and there's a lot of stories like that of the crazy instances that that people found themselves in. And you know, what do you do when you never expected such a scenario?
0: And I'm guessing for some of those kids there, you know, if it was that close to the Trade Center, they probably had parents that were in the towers that may or may not have came home. Right. So here, here we are going on twenty years later. What's what? What are you seeing um, as far as remembrance? Uh, are, are you seeing kind of a decline in because you know a whole new generation of people are here now? You know, two generations. Um, is it starting to to wear off a little bit, or do people still really um, are they really? Of, uh, you know, present day, uh, uh, still, still, um, what's, I don't what's the what's word I'm looking for. S- still uh, remembering, um, what, what's what's uh, what? What is your take being a tour guide uh, on on a the- good
1: question? So pre pandemic, <clears throat> I felt like the, the groups were were very interested. You know, they weren't born yet. Yeah. The interest remained. Their level of knowledge of what happened was definitely lacking. Mm. And I've, I've asked a lot of teachers, you know, who teaches on 9 11. And a lot of them said it's not in the school books. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's essentially taught with what the individual history teacher knows about it. Right. But or he, in particular, happened to know about it. But there's not a there's not a kind of congruent <clears throat> way to teach that. It's not necessarily taught in history. It's just how much the teacher herself knows of herself or himself knows about it, and what kind of what kind of hi- highlights you know feature they want to give it. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely um, and not to criticize history teachers. It's just it's just it's clear to me though that that as time has gone on, because I've been a tour guide, again, before, you know, right after, and, and all these years since, that the knowledge of, of, of exactly what went on is, it's just, it's getting more and more lacking. People mm-hmm. are not, so they know it's, ha- people are interested in it, yeah. just um, the, the knowledge isn't there. And, of course, with the pandemic, and all of the drama, of this last year and a half, uh, it just, it's very clear that um, this might not be a very potentially, you know, commemorative 20 year anniversary right. because we just kind of all came out of drama. I mean, myself included.
0: Yeah. yeah you know, so
1: it'll be interesting. And then schools, you know, um, you know, have, have barely been meeting or have these been all, all this kind of crazy, you know, people, uh, you know, schools and teachers have done the best they can, but um, just to get the kind of the basics in there, you know, for their right. students. So, Things my uh, schools might have returned to normal at the end, you know, August and September, but um, it's also coming off of a lot of drama in the year. So I don't know what kind of attention that um, will be paid to it um, in this in this anniversary. Also too, um, you know, tourism is, is still at, at a very low ebb in, in New York City. So um, I don't think it's gonna necessarily attract more tourists to come up because people are still not traveling. And they're still right. not coming to New York. I think they're, they're, I think they anticipated 35 million this year, you know, and they're um, pre pandemic. This would have been a 70 million year. Wow. We were yeah. predicting 70 million to come this year. I think it was 66 million that came in 2019. So at any anyway, rate, so I just think with, with everything that's going on. Yeah. I think it probably won't get um, the spotlight that it deserves, but you know, I mean, right. kind of understandably so.
0: Yeah. And I guess with time, that's, you know, that you come to expect that because you have a new newer generation of right. folks that are that are going through their own challenges and tough times. But, you know, for those of us that were uh, in, in our adult years when that happened, it's it's it, I'll never forget it. I know that.
1: Well, it's still um, considered the worst terrorist attack in world history. Yeah. 20 years later. Well, it's still very significant. You know, events in world history.
0: What, um, let's talk a little bit about your website. Uh, so, if our listeners or watchers uh, head out to your website, which um, I have pulled up here, but, and it's in the, so ChristinaRayStanton.com, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pretty easy to remember, and it should be in the description. What can they expect um, to find on your website?
1: So, I talk about just you know, you know, a little bit more about my background. I talk more about my books that I've written and what they're about. Also, I am a writer and I've written a lot of articles about 9-11 and about about um, the coronavirus. So it has a list and links of, of um, everything I've ever written and been featured in for 9-11 because I'm a 9-11 speaker. I speak at a lot of schools and... and um, Every year, I'm I'm asked to, to speak on on Fox and, and, and other stations and things like that. So it has all those links. Also, um, you know, nine eleven was a visual. You know, like like I like myself to show you know different pictures and things like that. Mm-hmm. I have a collection of pictures there that help to tell the story a little better about um, what happened to us and what the area looked like and. So it's a collection of pictures and, and, and articles are written. And, and, again, it's all in the desire to help educate because, yeah. honestly, I don't make a dime off of any of this. I, my husband and I, four years ago, established a nonprofit, and it helps that um, like kind of general poor, poverty. And mm-hmm. um, so when I wrote the books um, and even the articles, I had in mind that, I generated any money that um, it was one way of funding our nonprofit for, mm-hmm. for you know some some situations that I particularly care about uh, people who are living in vulnerable vulnerable mm-hmm. places and vulnerable situations, especially like in the snow during COVID. You right. know, so many it, it made it made poor areas even poorer. So mm-hmm. it's really um, any money that's ever generated it goes straight to the nonprofit, which itself goes straight to. Um, 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 poverty situations, but at any rate, so. But yeah, that's 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 what um, the website is. Just a more of nine eleven and and um, pictures and articles and things like that.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, and I was checking out the pictures uh, earlier too, and uh, yeah, it's just some some of them you look at and you're just like, wow, well, like the dust and debris. It's it's it, it comes back, you know, because I, I remember seeing all that on TV, but as and time this would back, have been-
1: You might have seen this one this is this was our view from our terrace
0: oh wow so yeah you were
1: i just loved it and i love that view too. you know they were such they were they were beautiful buildings i love those buildings just love them
0: and it's just uh, now they're represented by uh lights right is that what it, it is what what's the complex look like now
1: so the complex actually um it has a very tall building on it that was supposed to represent one of the buildings And they have their own observatory which is um and it's fantastic by the way uh they have you know just various you know new buildings um on the complex it just looks different and it incorporates of course the memorial it has um you know the memorial of the of the the two towers where they originally stood is now a memorial on on both sites it's an acre so each floor was an acre so, mm-hmm. so we have two, a memorial, two acres. And then we have a bit of the memorial that is dedicated to people who have died from toxin inhalation called Memorial Glade. Mm-hmm. And it has, of course, the 9-11 Museum. So it has, yeah, um, and you know, but that, that tall building um, is just another office building, just like the Twin Towers were. You know, they were just normal office buildings. And, you know, like Condé Nast, all the, pub, all the uh, magazine publications they're in that tall building, and so it's a it's a working you know complex, and and it's just as beautiful. It's it's it's, it's really just as lovely. Mm.
0: Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to get down there and see it. I uh, you know that's like I said, I haven't been to the East Coast much, and and um, I think once. Well, once when I you get
1: me, there, you have to let me know, and I'll. I'll take let you,
0: you know. I'll keep keep in touch because uh, yeah, I think and you know my kids, they my oldest son was. Well, he wasn't even born yet, so yeah, because you know it's he's he was he was on the way, but he wasn't he wasn't born. So you know, and I've never thought to sit and talk to them. And my youngest probably has very little knowledge of it. Um, my, my oldest may have a little more, but uh, definitely something that we need to keep in our minds and and think about and reminisce. Uh, especially on the anniversaries. I think what you're doing with the book and tour guides and all that, I think that's that's a great service and, and a lot of people um, it's just gonna continue to to, to educate and let, let people know what happened and and then to see the, the 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 comeback you know something like something so big and deadly that happens and yet the community it's still thriving, you know, everybody's, right. you know, like you said, there's still a, I think just having that tall building on that site is kind of like a hey, you, you may have heard us, but you didn't right. you're not scaring us away. Right. Exactly. So I
1: think it, another another picture that, that it paints is mm-hmm. just reminding us that with with that um, with those attacks, we entered an age of terrorism. Yeah. I and mean, there were so many terrorist attacks before them. And um But, you know, it it did us usher us into a new age when people take over airplanes and make them missiles, you know, that's, that's, that's where we live now. You know, that's, that's how things go. So I feel like it, um, it just ushered us into a new age and it's just something to keep in mind because it's still going on. I mean, all the terrorism that happens in in Nigeria and just, you know, there's, there's, um, al Qaeda's still out there. So it's just part of our life and part of our new normal. And it was um, on, on, you know, in American terms, it it, it hit home, you yeah. know, it really did. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, let us know that we weren't, we, were, we had a risk, you know, we, you know, we may be the, you know, maybe the powerhouse country uh, in the world, but there, you know, we weren't. Uh, no, we're not immune,
1: we're not yeah. immune.
0: So a lot and a lot of changes come out of that day. So
1: right, 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 right. And I tell people, hey, you know, you don't, you don't know that when I was in high school, you could just kind of wander into um, an airport and
0: yeah,
1: your your parents would be saying goodbye at the gate. You know,
0: not anymore.
1: Security that we Mm -hmm. have, and and um, you know, I'll never forget, like in New York, all of a sudden. As soon as attractions started opening again, like the empire state building and the statue mm-hmm. of Liberty, all of a sudden, now you have, um, all the, um, all the checkpoints So to find out if you yeah. have, if you're packing heat or anything like that. So, you know, just, it's a, it, it ushered us into a whole different level of security that we have to have. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, Christina, it's been great having you on. I I appreciate what you're doing to keep the keep the memories alive. And um, and we could probably spend hours and hours. There's so many (laughs) layers to that. But it was nice having this conversation with you and really kind of hearing it from uh, a perspective of somebody that lived there uh, in in the impact. Because that's something that at the time and and even since, you know, you get so focused on what happened, which is a big deal. Um, but you forget there's people around that 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 tragedy that, that impacted lives and changed lives. So um, yeah, it's good. it's been nice hearing it from from that. Is that something that the media doesn't doesn't share that's with you? That's
1: true. Well, thanks right. for having me on. I really appreciate yeah. talking and you're right. I mean, it is important for me to 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 share and to keep the memories alive because um there's 3,000 people would have contributed a lot to the earth. And a lot to life, and it they're they're definitely worth remembering, you know. Yep, and I, sure. I strive to do that.
0: All right. Well, hang tight. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and end our live, but we'll have a chat afterwards. So uh, hang tight, and uh, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. So there you go. There you have it. My conversation with Christina Ray Stanton. And I tell you what, I couldn't. I can't even begin to imagine what it must have been like to be right there. Uh, You know, right there center stage as the events of that day unfolded to be impacted uh, in in the ways that she was. I was hundreds of miles away, tuning into the news on the television and and just watching it from afar. uh, It's it carries with me all these years later. It's still prevalent on my mind and in my heart. And, and you heard it, her story. Not only was she a 9-11 survivor, but she's also a COVID-19 survivor. Unbelievable. You've got a heart, the heart of a warrior, Christina. Make sure you go check out her website. Uh, she's got the two books as well as a, a lot of different information available on her site, which I will have linked in the description below. So that's it for today. Until next time, be sure you aim high. Be courageous and go do amazing things.